It may be fall, but we're soaking up the sun. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And this week we will be discussing Cheryl Crow's fourth album from 2002, Come On, Come On. She was recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so this is a perfect time for us to finally discuss Miss Crow and her music. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Inducted in the Hall of Fame, one of my top five inductees on my baby mama all-time list. <laughs> I've always loved Cheryl Crow. I mean, she not only is she a beautiful woman, but she crushes on the guitar and has a, a present, a presence, a stage presence that is only matched by a few. A few of the people are actually on this album. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> but she has a stage present that stage presence that is only matched by a few. Still at the age of 61, she's still doing it. Yes, I did. I got to see her at the Ocean's Calling Festival this year. And she even said, like, I have a bit of a cold, but I'm still here. And she sounded great. Um, the sound <laughs> system wasn't the best for her, but she still she did her thing. It was a very good set. And uh, she did lot, most of her biggest and best songs during in just an hour's time. I feel like she should have had more time, but... <laughs> Whether an you... hour's not enough for the no, Cheryl. it was not enough. She should have been the headliner, damn it. <laughs> I got to see her once back in the day at Star Lake Amphitheater in Pittsburgh. And uh, she was on a bill with two other, I think it was Train, and I can't remember the third, but uh, she was headlining. It was a phenomenal show. Didn't it was one it was that this tour, you think? I think it was this tour. It, it makes sense because I graduated in 99. I was hanging out in WV, so it had to be right around 2000, 2001. Because um, I was doing Fish 2 around then, around that time period. Um, and that's when it that's where it all came from. Yeah, We were just out, out on the road doing our thing. So I'm almost positive it was this tour. Yeah, 2002. Yeah, 2002, right? Right, it had to be right then. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was a good. It would have been a good tour to go to. I think based on the album, personally. Um, Heard. Yeah, but a uh, bit of um, background on this album, I guess. I guess that's what we do here. So, uh, um, she actually after so after doing three very successful albums and tours, she was kind of burnt herself out a bit and really was struggling. Um writing this album she started work for it in april of 2000 but she ended up walking away for a bit she even said in her uh, documentary which you can watch on showtime that she called bob dylan and asked for advice on writer's block he said oh i've never had that that's bad <laughs> if you did he really say that that's wild yeah i can't help you with that <laughs> yeah can't help you there yeah, I offered to help you, but you can call me, but can't help you with that. <laughs> oh, man. And I mean, yeah, mm. crazy. And um, she was really kind of found herself in a depressive state at this time. Like she had been open about her struggles with depression, but it was really bad during this um the recording of this album. She just like didn't want to get out of bed, that kind of deal. And in addition to all of that, um, her record label A&M was absorbed by Interscope Records, headed up by Jimmy Iovine, who 
is a producer, but uh, she was no longer the big fish in the small pond. She was on the same label as a bunch of hip hop acts now. So it was very, very different for her to um, be doing uh, to just it was definitely the beginning of a new era for sure. It was it was a tough time in history, too. I mean, you're coming after the winter of 9-11. She she had come out of a, a long term relationship right? I guess, right before this. Yeah. Uh, with Owen Wilson. So it, it it's a lot going on in her brain. Most definitely. But uh, she ended up getting back to work and she wanted to make an escape album. Really, she wanted that kind of summertime classic rock album was the vibe she was going for with Come On, Come On. And it was released a bit ahead of the summer, April 2002. And it debuted at number two in both the UK and the US. And it sold 185,000 copies in its first week in the US, but it was blocked off the top spot by Ashanti's self-titled debut. Which, um, okay. Okay. I mean, it was big, but I just have to say that the 2000, this uh, year, definitely an eclectic year for the album and singles charts all over the place. It's a, uh, I'm not sure, like, it has a specific um thing. I would even say it's a bit tonally awkward, all the, this mix of stuff <laughs> on the pop charts in 2002. It was a wild time. <laughs> I will say that. It was, it was a time where there were a lot of different sounds. Yeah. Those, Ash, but... Ash, Ashanti. <laughs> yeah, Ashanti. Is, is she a top five baby mama? Nah, she didn't make it up there. She didn't. Oh. No, no offense. No offense. It's a yeah. tough list to crack. It's a tough it, it, list to crack. <laughs> that that is very fair. But uh, yeah. But um, it, it still managed to stay on the charts for over a year. And it's at this point, as of 2008, has sold over 2 million copies in the US. Um, and it did all right overseas, too. And uh, pretty well received critically. The reviews were positive. It was. Um, she was once again nominated for Best Rock Album at the Grammys. She ended up losing to Bruce Springsteen's The Rising. Um, but uh, I don't think she was crying about it because she'd won the award um, for her previous two albums. So it... Uh, and she got she got what? Best Vocal Performance for Steve, Steve McQueen, McQueen on that year, right? Yeah. yeah, she did get the best female rock vocal performance, which is no longer a category, actually. It's no longer split by male and female um, vocal performances like they used to be. Gotcha. But it was for a long time, and uh, she won that award several times. She was one of, tied for one of the m most wins for that award, actually. That's cool. For, yeah. <laughs> and I mean... Well deserved. She was a true rock star in this in 2002 at a time of, well, not a lot of real rock stars on the pop charts. As I said, very eclectic time. Music was changing, man. You can hear it in the engineering and production of this album too, and we'll get oh, into it. I but think, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a few sounds that I don't even expect to hear. Didn't expect to hear, but you know, even. To this day, when I listen, I'm like, oh, wow, that's in there. That's in there. I mean, if you look at the 
not only the duets, but if you just look at the personnel list on on this album, it is ridiculous how many artists and musicians came together to do this album. I mean, it was recorded all over the, the place and with so many different musicians. I have to hope um, that in my heart that this bringing together of friends and musicians, I mean, everybody, all types of wild people were on this. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to hope in my heart that that helped that depression. I know she was doing the medication. I know she was working through it, but... but to have all these people come together, it's gotta, it's gotta uplift. Hopefully, so I, I, I hope that was a turning point. I, I, I think that it was, and especially some of these people, she would even say were among her musical heroes that yeah. ended up on the album. I mean, it's it's really wild when you go down that list of, of people that are playing on this album. Yeah. Like even the violinist from like Shadow Faxes on this album, just like crazy wild musicians. It's super cool to yeah. see. I feel like they could have called it like Cheryl Crow and Friends. Most definitely. I feel Most, like that I mean, should have been it, the it, name of the album almost, because there's so many, <laughs> so many guests on here. Um, even what there's even a japan only bonus track that has a huge guest on it like that's how stacked this album is with um with guest stars and we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about them because uh some are more noticeable than others though but they're always um i think they're all interesting uh, things to do and often some interest just it all comes together very nicely still i think that's what matters the most it does indeed. Yes, and with that being said, let's get into it. If you haven't already, please follow us wherever you're listening to us, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, we are on all of those. Also, leave us a nice rating and review so we can keep on get reaching out to great listeners like you. And also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Turntables and Tea, and on X at Turntables Tea for updates on our newest episodes. Uh, come on, come on, and it opens with Steve McQueen, the song that won the Grammy for the Best Female Rock Vocal. Um, this song was co-written by John Shanks. Um, at this point, he was best known for working with Melissa Etheridge and uh, the year prior, Michelle Branch. Um... And obviously, yes, this was named after the late film star, Steve McQueen. And it's kind of just this song about wanting to fly on her own like Steve McQueen and just kicking ass, basically. That's kind of the the vibe of this song. And um, yeah, I think this is the kind of, this is just classic Sheryl Crow. It's the kind of fair that she just does really well. Um, It's a good rocker. It still has some biting lyrics in there about rock stars in the White House, pop stars looking like porn, that bit of anger and sarcasm that you get in her uh, best songs. Um, and uh, yeah, it was the second single, made it to 88 on the Hot 100, but it was a bigger hit on the adult alternative charts and um, actually the dance club charts. This was a number 11 on the dance charts, which is bizarre, but cool to think about. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was surprised when I saw the dance chart stuff, uh, which is neat. But this song, man, I love the vibe of this song. I mean, just 
when you're naming it Steve McQueen, you said it, the kick-ass, like the the solo kick-ass Steve McQueen. Uh, and, and then you get this kick-ass lady behind it doing it. It's great to hear. I love I just I love the vibe. I love her guitar sound on this. I it's a really biting song, and it's a great way to open this album. I'll tell you what, this this week, just going over it and over it and over it. There was something that I couldn't put my finger on. And I don't I don't mean to break the song for anyone. Like I sort of broke it for myself. But the in the in the start, right at the start, um, her vocals bum 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 bum. The whole time I'm like, man, I know that that from somewhere. Long story short, it's the theme from the Magic School Bus. And I, I couldn't put my finger on that. And finally, I was like, holy moly, it's the theme from the Magic School Bus. They, I, hand to the man, I think they took it right out of this. <laughs> All you, instead of going back up the fourth time, they go in the Magic School Bus. But it's right there. So just an observation, not a hot tea take, but a hot tea observation there. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to break the song, but I wanted to share that one. They they had to make that theme song acceptable for adults, you know. There you go. There and you I, go. I think Miss Frizzle would have approved. Miss Frizzle was she probably had this album in the school bus. So. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I could see Miss Frizzle rocking out to this album. <laughs> yes, and for that matter, Lily Tomlin actually too, the real Miss Frizzle. You know it. You know For that it. matter, I, like I think she would have. Right she's as cool as it gets, I think. So I think that would have <laughs> uh, worked out quite. I think this worked out for everybody. It definitely did. It definitely worked as the first track for this album. Oh, yeah, most definitely. But uh, the question is, how are we going to keep the momentum going? Well, we will keep it going with um, our second song, Soak Up the Sun. This was the first of several songs co-written with Jeff Trott, who... um. Her most frequent and successful collaborator up to this point. He had co-written the huge hits, uh, some of her biggest hits up to this point, including If It Makes You Happy, for one. So, of course, she was going to work with him again. Um, and he came up with this idea of just soaking up the sun, and he presented it to her and said, like, this is more pop than you usually are, but I think this could work. And um, she actually wrote it right after a a non-invasive surgery <laughs> which is pretty wild but uh they ended up yeah they came up with this song and while on paper it's this it's a very upbeat summer type song but yeah it still has some of that sass and sarcasm in it like she wants to soak up the sun while it's still free i mean exactly yep and you, you just gotta love this song. I mean, this was a really big hit when I was a kid. This was pretty inescapable um, around ba the Baltimore parts, for sure. Very frequently played. And, um, and on that level, as a pop song, it works. But then when I get, get older, it's like, okay, you have to love that. This great pop hit starts with My Friend the Communist Holds Meetings in His RV. It's just it's great. <laughs> this song for me, one, it's iconic. And you know, we could we could keep talking about how iconic it is, but for me, it really sets up 
what I think this album achieves so well. And that's in the early 2000s, bridging the gap from this late 90s or just 90s sound period into what we talked a bit about it with the Ashanti stuff, how wild the uh, the musical horizon is, you know, how varied it is. And this this song really bridges the gap um on this album it really shows what this album is going to do throughout uh, i love the tech sounds the tech bits going on behind in the intro um and i love how that is then in the refrain put to bed by this slide guitar sound it's really this whole encompassing composition uh i it it rocks man it's soak up the sun it's a, it's an iconic piece if you haven't heard it it's definitely a really good um a really good beginner song for Cheryl Crow period but a really good beginner song if if you had to pick a few tracks off this album i would definitely say this is one of the ones to listen to yeah i mean this was i mean i think for anybody my this probably was the first Cheryl Crow song we ever heard for people my age because it was, heard that. Um, heard that. It was such a big hit. Like this one and uh, her cover of the first cut is the deepest. Those were uh, big time staples on the radio <laughs> at that Definitely. time, uh, for sure. Uh, but it actually it peaked at number seventeen on the Hot 100, which is pretty wild to me. I would have thought this was way would have charted much higher. Seventeen. Uh, yeah. That's a wow, that's low. I'm with you yeah. on that. That's super low. But it, it still was in the go ahead. I was just gonna say, especially the way that it saturated the radio back then. It's wild to think that only hit 17 on the billboard. This was everywhere. I guess it also through the years started to make its way into commercial and things so maybe that has a bit of weight on why my mind is like hey that should be a little bit higher but 17 is low man that that's surprising it, it really yeah it is but it was still uh in the year-end top 40 because oh. it was such a long-lasting song on the charts it was on the charts for over 40 weeks and it was a multi-format hit as well so i think that uh really helped uh, and uh having a video in, filmed in hawaii doesn't hurt either <laughs> perfect place for for the song <laughs> most definitely very hard song not to enjoy i when i did see her this summer one of the ladies with me said charlie you got so happy when she did soak up the sun i was like how can you not it's just that kind of song yeah even thinking about it now i mean you guys can't see, but we're both smiling ear to ear. It's just, it's that kind of tune that, that <laughs> not, not to make a joke, but it makes you happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it just is that kind of song. But uh, this is the first um, guest that I think we should point out on the album. Uh, it's, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but um, one of the backing vocalists on this song is Liz Fair. Another, um, alt-rock's rock, chick of the 90s who uh, wasn't quite as uh, mainstream and or had the big hits like Alanis or Cheryl, but uh, very interestingly, uh, went pop the next year to commercial success, but a lot of fan hate, because uh, the following year was when she gave us all Why Can't I, which I love that song, but a lot of her fans did not love it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it it caught crap. I dig the song too. Um, I'll tell you right now, I didn't realize she was on this back in the day. It's um, not the most easy to pick out person uh in the backing vocal. But another one of those I, I hope friends or just collaborators that bring the happiness to this album, you know? Yeah. I, I would think they were at least friendly with each other. Most definitely. I mean, they toured in the same time, late 90s. They had to be on bills together. I would think. I would yeah. think. And I don't know if Crow ever played Lilith Fair. I think she did. I would think they would both, in my eyes, they would both be on that bill at some point. Yeah, they were very much, and they were just kind of both, to a lot of people, along with Alanis, were like that angry female rock singer of the 90s. Like, they were kind of lumped into that, even though they had different approaches, of course, but... Heard. um, Yeah, so there's that. Not the most obvious guest here. Uh, There's actually a much more obvious guest on the next song, which is practically a duet with Lenny Kravitz, even though he's not credited as featured. Um... You're an original, also co-written by Jeff Trot. Uh, um, the genius annotation for this song said it's probably about the rise and fall of a typical Hollywood starlet, which I think makes sense. Uh, definitely a kind of a sarcastic song, I guess, but it does have that great Cheryl Crow sing-along chorus in it, and um, I just—that's. Uh, something that she's great at she'd been doing it before this she did it for the previous two songs as well i think this is another strong track in that vein especially with the co-writer um her and jeff trot they just have that magic touch uh, that makes great songs like soak up the sun and i think this is a great song too i don't is it quite soak up the sun or every day is a winding road no but I'm actually kind of surprised it wasn't a single. I feel like it could have done something, especially with the Lenny Kravitz. Isn't it's not hard to hear him on the song. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not. It, I couldn't find the singles. Uh... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply list for this one so i I was it was a question i had for you is you know what what do we got here single wise and hearing that this is this wasn't one is surprising because i remember this one playing on the radio a bunch you know yeah it does seem like a bit of a missed opportunity in my opinion i do i think it would have been as big as soak up the sun no but i think it could have at least hit the top 40 most definitely I'll tell you what wasn't a most definitely. I'll tell you what wasn't a missed opportunity, and that is to get them on a track together. Um, I think their vocals fit each other well, especially in this composition. They both know how to harmonize in this really organic way uh, musically, and I, I dig that. I think it sits wild. I'll tell you the most surprising thing for me is 
really diving in um, and doing my homework on this track that Lenny Kravitz isn't that Lenny Kravitz isn't billed for guitar on this, and I feel like I hear his guitar in this, like the repeated riff in the background in the beginning. I feel like that's a Kravitz riff, and he's not credited for it, so I couldn't find anything that said it was. It's a great riff regardless. And this song, you're right, it might not be Soak Up the Sun, but it definitely keeps the pace and feel of this album uh, as far as carrying that weight through here. It's a good one, but I'm surprised to see Lenny not credited for guitar on this track. featured vocal, frankly. Well, that's true too, but I sort of dig that organic... uh, way of not overstepping on this it almost it almost feels like uh, i'm gonna say this a couple times throughout but it just feels like a friend walking in the studio and being like oh i dig this let's get down he doesn't he doesn't seem to step on any toes here and i really like that i i agree with that i definitely i think that could be said of the guests here they definitely don't overshadow cheryl crow they make sure it's still her music, even when it's a guest with a really large presence. Like, there's some, I think, that have even bigger, a couple that have probably larger presences than Lenny Kravitz, but we are not at them yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, the next one is, uh, not does not feature a famous name, but is about a famous name, Safe and Sound. This one is about her breaking up with Owen Wilson. Um, the CD booklet said it was 4-0 and everybody pretty quickly figured out who that was because they were a known celebrity couple, of course. Um, Man, this one's a heartbreaker. I mean, it, yeah. just, it just builds and builds in that crescendo. Like when she's saying, until you're safe and sound end, I feel like I really loved you. Oh, yeah, this is a real, this is like that Taylor Swift track five emotional kind of thing. Like that's how... That's the level we are operating at here. Definitely a strong, just really good heartbreak ballad. It's just, it does it well. And what I love about Sheryl Crow, in a way kind of, that sets her apart from the other, in some of the other inductees this year, like Missy Elliott or Rage Against the Machine. They kind of are those folks that are known as the trailblazers and they really set out to reinvent the wheel and Cheryl Crow, I think, is just somebody who just loves music and is focused on being re- true to herself and writing good songs and playing well and singing well. And she just feels it. She didn't set out to reinvent the wheel in that way. She just wanted to make good songs. And this is just proof of that. And I just love that about her. I can't agree with you more. And that was very eloquently said. I you hit the nail right on the head there um that that's Cheryl Crow to me in a nutshell this this song I'm with you man heartbreak it brings it down on on this acoustic the softer acoustic level here in the track four really lets it really sets the tone and lets us know that we're in a very I think they're all heartfelt so I won't use heartfelt here but in a very breakup tone uh for lack of better words i really love the minor key changes in the bridge pieces here i think they elevate the composition to this 
other level that I really like. This piece is super cinematic for me. And I feel like it just comes straight from the heart. And that's why it is. Like, it's not overplayed with giant strings and stuff like that. But it still feels very cinematic in its composition. I didn't know back in the day. I guess because I didn't really stay with my finger on that the pulse of, of, of the dating scene. Or maybe it more so like, like it wasn't really like in the out the algorithm didn't exist back then you know or or existed in a very tiny way but i never knew this is about owen wilson um i'm sad for both of them when i hear this song after knowing two years of their lives went into it and there's a real love there so this song hits on so many levels a really great way to have our first softer song because it doesn't stop us from listening it only i'll speak for myself it only elevates my want to listen to this album which is super cool for a softer song yeah most definitely and uh we we are kind of going that i'm guess i think this next song we're doing is also probably inspired by owen wilson would be uh my guess heard <laughs> I, I i have it in my notes Who's this? Who is this? And I couldn't find, so. Uh, There's no confirmation, but considering the era we're in, the previous one was, I'm thinking this one was, and um, this one, it's our title track, which is Come On, Come On, Uh, and, uh, you know, by the title, you probably think this is going to be a really up-tempo kind of song. Uh, It's not. It's actually, she's saying, come on, come on, and break my heart again for old time's sake. It's about that toxic relationship um (laughs) but uh oh the toxicity sounds so good it's also well put together musically um uh the guest vocalist on this one is stevie nicks who uh kind of is returning a favor to cheryl crow on this album she's pretty prominent here and cheryl had produced five of the songs on um Stevie Nicks' Trouble in Shangri-La album, which was released the year prior to this and was a solo comeback for her. So I think they became, well, they did become really good friends. They still are. And I feel like it was kind of a repayment of a favor and um, her just being a friend. You can tell she's there, but she doesn't overshadow her. Uh, Stevie Nicks is a great harmony singer that is part of the appeal of Fleetwood Mac, those beautiful harmonies. So still make sure it's her song and that's really good and uh yeah this one it so weirdly this was actually the third single and i'm not quite clear on this it sounds like it looked there was a single version recorded with the irish group the cores and I'm not sure if that version or this was played on U.S. radio, but it made it the 36 on the adult top 40. I'm, but I'm not quite clear on that because the cores uh, weren't the biggest U.S. presence. They're actually technically one-hit wonders in this country, even though they're very popular elsewhere. That's wild. And I, I, I never knew that. I, this one, though, for me, I have so many questions. <laughs> I'll start off with that as far as where the song came from we touched it maybe it's owen i'll leave that one alone then i ask i want to ask cheryl like did you write this song with stevie in mind 
because not only does the guitar part here really have a Fleetwood Mac reminiscent feel of it for me, but it it almost reads like a song that Stevie Nicks would write, uh, you know, it, it, inside of those love triangles, inside of her tumultuous um, love life inside of Fleetwood Mac. So I that's a big question for me. I almost, well, I, was, I won't say I almost. I was really curious to see if Stevie Nicks had writing credits on this because it related in my in my brain so well to her. Uh, and she doesn't. But this song, man, it's, I wrote a fun breakup song, but it's fun because of the way it goes through and almost that tongue in cheek, come on and break my heart again um the bridge after the second chorus is one of my favorite pieces of composition on this whole album it's this fantastic crescendo it's really, it, this song is is really well put together um so curious of its where it came from and who really wrote it but i gotta have a feeling that she might have wrote it with Stevie in mind. So they do great together on this. Is is it my favorite of their works together? I'm going to save that until the end of this album. But this one, man, it it it, it it's a banger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a banger. It is. Um, they, I don't think you're the first person who's thought maybe she was writing about Stevie Nicks on this song. And uh that, that's a trope that will actually come up again later on this album. Um, uh, so there is that. But uh, um, Stevie next, we won't be talking about her again for a few songs. Um, said we're going to go to another 70s rock star on our next track, uh, track number six, It's So Easy. This was co-written with her sister Catherine. And it's a duet with Don Henley of the Eagles, who, yeah, also dated Stevie Nicks. So the connections between these two are not ending in this era. It's just that symbiosis that's so beautiful. Um, but uh, yeah, this is about an adulterous relationship. Apparently, Jimmy Iovine actually said, you can't have this song on the album. You need to cut it. Really? Yeah. I guess he thought it was too controversial, but... uh. She actually said, like, no, she what was hoping a country artist would cover the song, which I can definitely hear. It's definitely the most, uh, I, I feel like it is country-influenced in its lyrical tone and some of its musical elements, but it also has these or, orchestral elements. Um, I, I think these are both two great singers, Cheryl Crow and Don Henley. I don't love the song. I don't think it quite knows what it wants to be. Uh, like with the orchestra and the twang, it just doesn't quite work for me. Uh, I actually, I think I would have preferred it if she had just covered the Buddy Holly slash Linda Ronstadt hit, It's So Easy, uh, instead of this one. Um, I, I'll say it now, least favorite on the album. Definitely the gun to the head for me. Wow, we are on the other side of the coin on this one. My love for this song, I'll use the word love um, loosely, but my love for this song really comes from the composition. Not so much the duet between the two artists, but more so because I feel like this composition really 
reflects it's almost like a constant climb up a mountain throughout this composition and i feel like that really reflects the struggle inside of the lyrics perfectly and it, it represents it inside of the composition um i won't say that it's my gun to the head it's it's a little bit too strong for it to be in my in my opinion um i don't think it shines as well as most of the tracks on this song i am with you there but there is a really cool representation of the lyrics inside of this composition that really draws me in that's fair that's a fair point just i guess just not for me this one <laughs> um so yeah but uh fortunately i think we, we're uh, getting into a better territory a bit i think with our track seven which is over you a breakup tune about just struggling to get over your ex, which very relatable. I think we've all been there before in some way. Um, uh, just can't and can't get away from him. That's another thing that, especially when you travel in the same circles, it can be hard to get away from certain people. Pin that same circles. Yeah. So that's really what this song is. And um, I, I do think that she really effectively communicates the pain inherent in that situation. This is not whiny. It's very real. I, I just I feel her here. Um, um, uh, musically, I don't find it the most interesting track here. I feel like it kind of stays in the same place and also overstays its welcome a bit. I really don't love the fade out at the end, actually, because uh, those are actually some of the best lyrics in the song, if you actually look them up, and they should have been highlighted more, I think. So um, it, 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 I like it more lyrically than I do musically. I'll say that. I can, I can see that, and I'm with you there for the most part. I like the juxtaposition of this. I'll use the word sweet here, but I mean sweet like... Uh, Oh, she's such a sweet girl uh, as far as the intro goes and then slaps on top of it with this electric guitar riff. I I really like how that hard electric guitar here mimics, in my opinion, the frustration of trying to get over this past lover. Um, I will say... I you know me and and fade outs. It's never really my favorite as far as composition goes on an album. Um it for me it always leaves me wanting more but not in a good way. Like why did you why why? It doesn't make sense. Especially here I totally agree with you. You've got some really powerful lyrics on the way out of the song. Why do that on a fade out? It almost I won't say here that it's lazy because that's usually my opinion on the fade outs as far as not being able to finish the composition but it doesn't necessarily speak well for for this composition here i have to go back to who's it about here for me are we still on owen wilson i don't know i said pin those same circles because i have a feeling this one's a little bit about the love affair or the the relationship with eric clapton and I really think that's the one that she keeps seeing and, and can't get away from, especially running in the same circle. So I think this one has a bit to do with Clapton. And maybe I'm reaching here, as which if you listen, you know, sometimes I do. But I think that's where this electric riff comes from. Not only does it mimic this frustration, but it gives a shout out to Clapton as well. 
That that actually makes a lot of sense, I think. And I after all, right now. <laughs> yeah, after all, he is her favorite mistake. Heard that, heard that, right? <laughs> that's that's the deal there. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, another actually, if there's any song I want to know who it's about, I kind of actually think it's this next track, which is "Lucky Kid." Uh, okay. Um, she said uh, in a concert once that this was the first track written for the album. Um, and uh, she is mad at this entitled SOB. That is what this song is. She is mad. He gets away with everything because he's a lucky kid. And uh, I mean, I think we all know at least one person like that, if not more than one. They just seem to get away with it all, even though they're just the worst. And they're so entitled. Uh, just we, we've all known somebody. So on that level, I find this song very relatable. And it's just um, I think it's the sassiest song here. And I really <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, we really get some some of that energy here that kiss off i just i love it and the the vocal production if any song here it's just so of that era that early 2000s pop vocal mix and it for me that just adds to the song's charm and i think it works like this is that kind of sassy pop song that yes yeah, cheryl crow can do it but it fits in with what the other sassy pop girls were doing at the time too like i mean i can like it kind of reminds me of like a good Britney Spears sass a bit. You wouldn't, <laughs> maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but that's just me on this song in particular. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I love that instrumental outro. The problem is I don't love where it's placed on the album. It's in between a lot of slower tracks and I feel like it would have been better towards the front of the album at like track number three or four or at like track number 11 right before another sassy track i i agree with you there one of the questions i had on this one was is it here on the eight on the eighth track because she felt like we needed a little bit of a contrast here that's the only thing i can think for me this song is super sexy and i don't expect it coming off of the title of lucky kid um, I'm with you. Who is this person? And again, maybe I'm reaching, but it almost seems like, and I, I don't mean this in any disrespect, but it almost seems like an inebriated hookup with someone that yeah. she didn't expect and then comes out of it like, oh, you son of a gun. Like you got me a little, you know, or, or, or it, it has that feeling to me. I like how inside of this composition we get in my opinion, this almost feels like a light punk or even more so like a pop punk kind of feel here. And I dig that totally with you on the early 2000s sound. I feel like it also, again, I'm going to go back to bridging the gap to the late 90s sounds. I have a really light feeling of like a Beck Odelay composition here. Even though it's a bit heavier than what we get on Odelay, I feel like there's some pieces of that mindset in this composition but at the very least uh the the late 90s early 2000s sound totally with you there i i dig this i dig this track it's it's not super stellar i really dig it 
I think maybe a little bit because it gives contrast here or a little bit more than I would because it gives contrast here. But this song, it, it's cool. It's a cool song. Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't know the Beck one. I'm not very familiar with his discography, so don't know that album. But <laughs> check check it out. It's called uh, the album's called Odele. Yeah. Um, you might be familiar with two turntables and a I, microphone. I I know oh, loser. Where it's at. I know loser uh, by Beck. Okay, but I heard he was still killing it in concert, though. I heard he does a great show. Oh, he's he's a, a yeah. wild, beautiful musician, a music mind. Yeah. And he's always you talk about reinventing the wheel. He's always pushing the boundaries of, of his sound and his his take on genres. A really cool one. But check out layout this week. It'll it'll be a, a neat listen. Oh, I, I think I have to now. But no, I heard this year he killed it in concert. Someone I know so, my cousin saw him recently said he was awesome. He's he's a murder machine as far as live shows go. I'm sure he is. I I didn't I haven't gotten the chance, but one day. But uh, um, uh, but uh, we are going to um take a break away from the lucky kids and talk about some folks who have some hardships on our next track, which is Diamond Road. Uh, this Diamond Road is just that thing you go down. It's really this is a tune about survival overall. Um. It's co-written with Marty Fredrickson. He is best known for his work with Aerosmith in the 90s and early 2000s. Co-wrote some of their hits of that era, included, including Pink and Jaded. Um, but uh, Stevie Nicks is also featured on the backing vocals here, but uh, it's t- honestly here, she, it's really hard to find her. Uh, you would not know that, I don't think, without having read it, which that's pretty... It's wild to think because usually that's the first voice you pick out on uh, the uh, if she's doing backing vocals, she's very typically easy to pick out, but not this time. Um, I I like this song, but I don't think it quite lives up to its full potential, if that makes sense. Like there's a lot of elements for that recipe for success. It's a cool track, but with all these folks involved i don't think it quite adds up to what it could have been agreed i had a very tough time finding stevie inside of this until we get to the latter points of the song where they get into this dueling um back and forth style duet and then i say okay now i can hear both of them um i do really enjoy the little time changes inside of the refrain it's I'm not going to use the word mediocre. It's a mid-level composition. I'm with you. It just doesn't hit the mark as much as I think it should. And a little bit of that has to do with Stevie on the track. You know, I, I, I put a little, I expect a little bit more with these two together. Um, again, I'm not going to say if this is my favorite, out of all of the all of the or the three that we'll cover today until the end um but the song as far as another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. On the album, leaves a little bit for me to... to it leaves me wanting a little bit more than, than I want to be at the, at the track nine on this album that's been great so far. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, and uh, no, no spoilers ahead, but uh, uh, she uh, hasn't actually quite... Her, her Stevie Nicks' mark is actually still not left this album, uh, even at track number 10, which is It's Only Love. So this actually was recorded by Stevie Nicks and included on the Trouble in Shangri-La album, which was released less than a year before this album. So okay. um, I did know this song first from her. She did it first. Uh, and that version, it's very stripped back. I would say it's like a borderline acoustic um, rendering of a of song in that form. Um, it's not one of my favorite tracks on that album, but I think a large part of that is just for the fact that it was not a song that Stevie Nicks wrote. And I'm usually more interested when listening to her album in songs that she wrote as much as I love her voice on just about anything. Uh, but this version, uh, Cheryl does make it her own. And this actually, it's not stripped back. This is like the movie soundtrack ballad that we're going for here. Uh, like we it's got a full orchestra here and i actually think it works much better in this form maybe part of it's because cheryl's singing the song herself but i think it is that sweeping romantic tune that deserves this kind of treatment and uh the backing vocalist on this one is one you might not have expected on the Cheryl Crow album it's uh the actress gwyneth paltrow um the story behind that is she was dating guy o'siri Big music guy, manager for U2. Um, and uh, she told him, like, I really want to do a song with Cheryl Crow. And so for her birthday, Gwyneth's birthday, he arranged that. And she came in and did backing vocals on the tune. And uh, I I do actually, I used to watch Glee and Gwyneth Paltrow guest starred on that show. And I do remember her singing CeeLo Green's Forget You and thinking she did a good job. So she does actually have a good singing voice. And this was before a lot of things with Gwyneth Paltrow. This was before Chris Martin and Goop and all that stuff. So, but I think it's a really, yeah, I think it's a nice song that works better in this form than it did as the stripped back acoustic thing. I didn't realize that it was a cover here and it makes sense the way it's laid out. I'm with you. It had a very, I won't say cinematic, but it had like a movie soundtrack kind of deal to it. Um, almost for me was a nice, and I say this in all respect to this song, it was like a nice little palate cleanser here. Um, it's not the strongest song, but it's not weak by any means. Um, I am. And if I have it right, and I, I can figure whose part is which, and I went back and forth a bunch to try to really tack this down and figure out who's who. Paltrow's singing these high-end harmonies, and she isn't killing. Like, this is an auto-tune. I was blown away. I had no idea. I hadn't seen any of the Glee stuff. It... it is mind-blowing she has a very beautiful singing voice and that was surprising to me she's got this held out right later on in the in the song and it's really 
spot on, man. Uh, kudos to her for this one. This was an unexpected, neat song here. And that's why I say a little bit of a palate cleanser. Um, it's a cool one. It's a cool one at the track 10. Yeah, most definitely. And funny enough, Gwyneth Paltrow recently said that she didn't think she'd be acting again unless Robert Downey Jr. convinced her to, maybe. But uh, maybe you <laughs> should get back into singing, Gwyneth. Use your, use your talents for good instead of all this crazy talk that you do because she's a she's an odd person i have to say at the very least do a christmas album you have a beautiful voice yeah. do some fun stuff it, yeah it, i agree with you do some fun yeah. stuff get out there yeah it, it's a shame to see people not use their gifts and uh there. she definitely has some vocal chops that not everybody knows about so yeah man yeah you don't want to act we, we have advice for you Gwenda. please take it you'll kill it <laughs> Oh yeah, but uh, uh, that was our most unexpected guest on the album. But we have another uh, we have another lovely harmony track with the next one, Abilene. The last one co-written with Jeff Trot, and uh, this one, the guest vocalist is Natalie Maines of the group at the time known as the Dixie Chicks. Um, now just the Chicks. They changed that because it is not a. Uh, politically correct name to say the least which i don't disagree with that it's very not appropriate <laughs> that but enough about that um i this is obviously with that does have that country influence to it but i really have always liked natalie mains's voice she's not the showiest vocalist but she has a very nice clear tone to her voice and she's again a beautiful harmony singer and um, I'm glad they collaborated together. I'm wondering if they got the idea from this again when making the Trouble in Shangri-La album because of one of the songs that Sheryl Crow produced. Neither her or Stevie Nicks wrote it, but it was a duet with Natalie Maines. Um, so I'm wondering if they got that idea here, and I'm glad they did it. I uh, The song itself, I don't think it's the most notable thing musically or lyrically, but I do think it's elevated by hearing these two beautiful voices meld. That's really the highlight, and for that, it's definitely worth listening to. Most definitely worth listening to. A beautiful duet. I don't have to say that over and over again here. Lyrically, it isn't. And lyrically, it's a cut-and-dry piece, country-inspired composition here. But musically, it is very very profound inside of its harmonies and that comes from mains it's what i expect from mains especially mains and cheryl crow here and with that expectation i feel like they hit it at a level 10 as far as elevating this song with these very intricate harmonies that I'm not going to say, unless you're listening, you're going to miss out on it. But they're very, they're understated, but in the same, in the same thought, they're very, very profound. It, this is a beautifully performed song by both of them, especially melding as one on this. I, I, I dig the sound on this, on this song. Yeah, so do I. I mean, lyrically, I don't think it's a lot but i feel like i'd like to think that cheryl knew like i think this song needs a little something extra and she found it and a good guess should elevate material and that's what is done here and um yeah really a 
really am glad it turned out like this. Such a beautiful song in this form. But we, we are going to pick up the pace a little bit and get a little sassy again with track number 12, Hole in My Pocket. Um, This one, uh, another, yeah, as I said, another kind of sassy tune. She's got, um, she's just, she's with a guy who's not really worth her time, but she can kind of take him or leave him. Like, I got a hole in my pocket. You can give love, but it'll fall out. Um, I, uh, she still sings it beautifully, though, because she's Cheryl Crow. Um, I, yeah, I, I would say it's honeyed sass, kind of, is what we're getting on this song. Um, I think it's nice to have an up-tempo song after a few slower ones. Uh, I think that it's a good penultimate position in between two of the more notable ballads here. Um, the biggest issue with this song is I think it's an idea that overstays its welcome. It does not need to be as long as it is. It's, uh, Definitely a minute too long. Uh, runs out of steam. We're just repeating ourselves by the act. Now we're on the same side on this one. Uh, I'll start off saying it's a fun composition. I like the faux record scratches. Her her vocals here are really amazingly open and fresh, and I will not take away from them as I go through this. But this really well-done song vocally I'm with you. It seems to go on and on without really hitting the mark for me here. Even with that break at 2.33, it still doesn't find this second note, for lack of a better word, that would make this song full. Uh, it, it just seems to be stuck on this one-track mindset inside this composition, and it can't find a way out. For me, that's what makes this one the this is my gun to the head i agree that it sits here perfectly in between these two at at the penultimate spot it doesn't necessarily let us down but it definitely overstays its welcome and really can't find it, it, it can't stick the landing as we always say it, it just ends up being a one note flat uh, composition by the end for me just repeated and repeated and repeated there's not really a bridge here even with that break and 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 that makes it, it tough for me uh and definitely my gun to the head that that's a fair point i can see why it would be i don't think it's like even in the top half of uh, songs on this album but i i think it i think it has its place though but uh we as we said, penultimate. So we're at the end of the standard edition of this for most. Um, and that is with track number 13, Weather, Weather, cha <laughs> weather Channel. I said that weird. I'm sorry, but I'm doing my best here. Um, So this song was very specifically written about um Cheryl dealing with depression. This is that song that she did. And actually in her documentary she talked at length about this song and played the whole thing on the guitar because it was such a uh, important look into herself and i think it's it seems like it's one of her favorite songs that she's written and i can see why and she even said like her father told her like even winston churchill dealt with the black dog like it could happen to anybody i will say that the um Reference to watching the Weather Channel is definitely very 2002. It definitely places this song in its era. 
It, it does indeed. But uh, I do think it's a very, it's a very real look at depression, and it's stripped back raw, very nicely done, and we get guest vocals from Emmy Lou Harris, and uh, her voice is another beautiful voice that's just welcome. It's welcome on any song, and it's been featured on countless songs. <laughs> welcome is an understatement for me. Um, I'm just going to start from the get on this one. Holy moly, the guitar part. Starting straight from the intro, this, like you said, stripped back composition hits here so perfectly, especially as the ending track for this album. This is a goosebump inducing song immediately for me. As soon as I hear it, it goes. I love the fact that this track especially as the final track, but this track in, in general is produced just a little bit louder than the rest of the album here as a statement. And I love that, especially knowing that this is that dealing with depression song. This is her statement at the end of this beautiful run with all my friends. I got one more and I'm really going to let it out here. And it, it's, it almost has a live you know what? I'm not even going to say almost. It really has a live under a soft white spot feel here. And I love that. And then you tack on Emmy Lou Harris. And I mean, she hits and it's mind blowing. Uh, it's such a simple composition, even with this dreamlike vibe added throughout. But it sits perfectly. And you want to talk about sticking landings for for an album closer. This one it blows me away every time i listen to it it blows me away uh this is such a, a great ending for this album i completely agree i can't think of a better ending for it this was the perfect song to end an album with um for sure definitely what well, i would say one of the best album closers of this whole decade of the 2000s Let, let's be real here um but funny story so uh in the pre-streaming times, it seems there were a lot of albums that had bonus tracks only in certain countries, not often in the U.S. and Canada, often in the U.K., Australia, and especially Japan. Those Japanese bonus tracks, there's a lot of them. And uh, because these songs are admittedly hard to find now, we're not going to discuss all of them, but there is one that we do need to because... Even for somehow the Japan bonus track, one of them and the B side to the Soak Up the Sun CD single is a full on duet and collab and writing collaboration with Stevie Nicks entitled You're Not the One. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is, I mean, again, yeah, it's this is a duet, it's credited as such, and it should be. They're both not hiding who they are, and they wrote it together, which I think is so great to see um this is the one that they did actually do right together um and just what a beautiful melding of styles uh on this they just work so well together i think it's great to hear them just riffing off of each other i think they're having a lot of fun doing this one and they're not settling for less either of these ladies on this one which i also love and you know what? They're demanding respect and they're getting it. And uh, do I think it's the best song either of them have ever done? No, not by a long shot. Probably wouldn't even be in like 
top 20, but it's just such a joy to hear these two iconic women singing together. That's really what it is. And that's why we had to talk about it a bit. I haven't said this in a while, but you read my notes on this one, man. This, not only do I love the riff here, I, I love the riff. It's an earwig. It gets down. It almost is almost like a dance tune for me a little bit. But that aside, it for me is a perfect blending of the two styles that I wholeheartedly expect from both of these artists. And I don't think anybody can deny that this this blending here is is just it's really top notch. Um, this is a hybrid duet, in, in my opinion, not only a duet, but a hybrid duet because the two part harmony backing. So the background vocals, they did a two part harmony for and then Cheryl Crow's hitting the you're not the one. That's genius. Uh, it is full on genius the way that that is put in to this composition and done well. I finally made it to where I will tell you my favorite out of all three of these duets. And it's right here. Uh, believe it or not, hot tea take. This one is my favorite out of the three that they did together. And Another hot tea take here is, I'll, I'll preface this hot tea take. The only reason that I can come up with why this isn't on the album is because most of this song is the refrain. I don't think that takes away from it. I don't feel the repetitiveness that I got back in a hole in my pocket here. But I think that might be. It's the only thing I can come up with why it's not on the album. Hot tea take. I stick this in for Diamond Road and then do Diamond Road as a bonus track. I think it fits the pacing of the album really well in the uh, in the ninth track there. And I think it does justice to the album just a tad bit more because of this perfect blending. I, I agree. Um, my, my theory as to why it wasn't on the standard edition is maybe they felt it featured too much Nicks and they wanted it to say more of a Sheryl Crow Strictly album. That's my theory on that. Um, but I do agree. I like this collaboration better than Diamond Road. And I think it would have been a good track number nine. It would have made more sense to have a more up-tempo song, like I said, after Lucky Kid. And how great would it have also been to have it right before the song that Stevie Nicks recorded for her album as well? I, I think I, that... I think I think you're yep. so right with that. Um, so yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Do at least give You're Not the One a lesson and tell us what you think. Please do. Please do, because it's it's a cool one. Yes, it is. And now we have come to the end of our discussion on Come On, Come On by one of the newest Rock Hall inductees. Uh, Corey, I know this is your one of your baby mamas, so... Uh, with, you you could use that in your grading. Use it not. Use it or not. But what what is your grade for the album? I will take out my undying love for Cheryl Crow and her spot on my top five baby mama list, and I will now give you give you my whole run on this. Thirteen tracks here in a time where she was dealing with such a tough inner demon, 
she really gives us this heartfelt album from front to back. There are imperfections inside of it that are nowhere near the level of composition that shines throughout this album. There are so many, and I'm going to use the word friends again. There are so many friends here with heartfelt duets that don't overstep, that just elevate and really move this album forward. From front to back, it is paced almost perfectly, uh, with the exception of my hot tea take of, of the Diamond Road insertion there uh, with, with the bonus track from Japan. I'm going to give this a B plus. It's up there, man. It's It almost hit an A here. There's just a few things inside of some of the compositions that don't put it in the A level, but this B plus, don't let this B plus fool you. This album is a great album and one of my favorites, man. Really well put together album, especially in, in the middle of her life. This one... It almost seems like a coming of age here, and I, I really enjoy it. I have the same grade for the album, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think, I, I love the backstory. I love how she got through all of that to put together this lovely album. And there are imperfections in the song, but I just cannot deny the solidity of the writing and musicianship present throughout this whole album. And... Uh, I mean, again, all these friends on it just help it help it seem like a bit of a party. And so it's a really fun thing to listen to. Um, so I definitely would recommend it, especially if you just know Cheryl Crow's hits. I think it's a really good thing to hear a bit more of what's there, because as omnipresent as our hits are, there's just, there's always more to go into. And uh, you won't regret it in this case. Most definitely. What's your favorite track on this album? It soak up the sun. It. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten sick of it, even after the twenty plus years now of it being a hit. And it only has eighty five million streams on Spotify. I'm not crazy about that. Actually, <laughs> I uh, hope that changes. We need to do a TikTok challenge in the summer, and that'll change by the the millions yes. guaranteed. <laughs> For me on this album, it's Weather Channel, man. This song hits me to my bones, hits me to my core. And like I said, it's goosebump inducing every single time I hear it, right from the first note to the last. I really love that song. Another one that I implore any of our listeners, if you're if you don't get a chance to listen to the whole album, that's another track on this one that I say is one not to be missed. Most definitely. Definitely check it out. It's a bit heavy subject-wise, but it's such an essential Cheryl Crow song. Indeed. And uh, now um, we, we both picked an album from a favorite Rock Hall inductee of us this year in this year's eclectic class. A wide variety of genres included in this year's class, um, which I thought was pretty cool. But uh, for our next thing we're doing um we are going to be looking at an album that exists solely because of a rock hall induction from 2022 uh that your dolly parton queen of country to many including me was inducted and she said i don't think i should be inducted because i'm not a rock artist 
But they said, no, we're going to put you in anyway. And she accepted, but she decided, well, that's the case. I'm going to make a rock album. And uh, it we, we have a very much of End Friends album that's coming out in a couple of days. Uh, it's called Rockstar. Uh, it actually will be out by the time you're listening to this. It is 30 tracks, so it will be a two-part episode for us because that is a lot to get into. Uh, many of them are covers. There are some originals there, lots of collaborations, and we can't resist doing that. Uh, so definitely um, tune into that. We're really looking forward to it. In fact, Cheryl Crow herself is one of the many guests on the album. And there are so many unexpected guests. I'm not even going to do any spoilers. Yeah. There are some wild, off-the-wall guests. And one of the reasons that we chose it, it really runs the gamut of all the stuff we touch here and all the, the people we love. So it's going to be, I'm super excited. I heard it on the radio this morning. They were talking about it. I thought they were going to play a track off it, but it doesn't come out, uh, I guess, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And some of yeah, the tracks so have already been released, but we'll be hearing them all very soon. And uh, I think we're all very curious to hear what she will do. And uh, so far, Ultimate Classic Rock gave it a positive review overall. Nice. One of my favorite voices oh, of yes. all time, so I'm excited to hear this. Such a beautiful singer, and uh, her voice is held up well, too. So, um, And uh, God bless her for, this is her 49th studio album. That's insane. Wow. So, what a career, Dolly. Uh, and thank you for still doing it, because she could have rested on her laurels long ago, but she is not. So, we're really looking forward to hearing her beautiful voice, amongst many others. And, um... Until then, just unleash your inner rock star while you get ready to listen to Dolly and then our deep dive into it. So take care of yourself until then. Peace!